why am I striving for this body I have in my head or this, this set limit of strength or endurance when this could literally happen next week again or next month? Like I need to be happy where I am because it could just get taken away again. Like there literally is no end goal when you have a chronic illness that has no cure because I've been thankful that like my flares since then have been smaller, but it's, it is that crazy idea of like, why would I waste this time trying to get to this end goal when it could get snatched away again? Like, that's so silly. Like there's no point in that. You have to just enjoy where you're at right now and look, yeah, like look back on how far you've come. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure to have you here. We have another throwback return guest today, the lovely Nat Kelly of Plenty and Well with Nat. Because her journey, as with all of ours, is constantly evolving, and her words just always speak to my soul. You know, she's just one of those people. Uh, This conversation was recorded in the very beginning of all this corona time, and it's been interesting to see how each of our mindsets have changed since then. Uh, You know, during this time, I swear time has been moving so slow, yet so fast. Like at the end of each week, I'm just left wondering what the heck happened. And then at the beginning of each week, I'm like, another week. Are you serious? So I don't know, some weird time construct going on there, you know, a paradox for sure. But anyway, you know, this conversation in general is a bit different than what you may know Nat for. If you follow her on Instagram, you know that her journey with, you know, ulcerative colitis is a big focus point of her business and her brand and her healing journey. But that's what we talked about in her last episode on the show, which you can find linked below. So in this one, we don't really discuss UC too much, but rather the mindful and spiritual side of healing. And I promise it is not too woo-woo. Don't let that scare you off. Let's be open-minded, people. (laughs) It's just a fun episode. And you guys know I love chatting all things 360 health and wellness. And I think this episode is a prime example of that. Something that we brought up in the conversation and that I wanted to share my own experience with right here and now is this idea of celebrating the small wins and appreciating the journey. So Nat and I discuss how, you know, with life in general or with ED recovery, accepting body image, healing a chronic diagnosis, whatever it may be, it can be so easy to glaze over the small wins So often, you know, we, you, me, (laughs) everyone, anyone, whatever, you know, word you want to use there, we dismiss these small moments and these small wins because we're so caught up in the big picture. We obsess over the end goal without taking time to appreciate the small stuff along the way or the true journey. I mean, when we read books we, you know, like the whole time we're just building towards that end. And I don't know about you, but I had a bad habit when I was younger 
and let's just say I still do, where I'm always tempted and I sometimes still do. Like if I can't keep reading, I have to, you know, quit reading to go to work or something and I don't want to actually quit because I'm so entranced by it. I'll skip a few chapters ahead, read something, and it completely ruins the rest of the book because you've just gone ahead and ruined the whole journey to get there. So don't do that with your own life, people, okay? Let's learn from my mistakes. (laughs) And after all, it's the journey and those small things that we really grow. So it's important to recognize, acknowledge, and appreciate those moments as they come. It's not always easy. (laughs) I will say that. Uh, It's not always pleasant, but I think it's worth it, you know? Those are just amusings. But as an example, with the podcast, I get so caught up on numbers because in my mind, I know the number that I need to hit in order for blank and blank to happen in my overall schemes and plans. So it's hard for me to appreciate every time the podcast breaks another thousand downloads or every time a dream guest says yes because sometimes I just get so focused on this end goal of where I think I want to be in order to feel successful, secure, and professional, that I just forget about what actually matters. That's why I know I say it a lot and it's probably cliche and very cheesy, but I just appreciate every single DM, email, review, or just comment, you know, on my Instagram from one of you listening to the podcast because It just makes me smile, slow down, and remember, oh yeah, this, this right here is what it's all about. It's not about some abstract number or some day in the future or some external form of validation. And these are just, you know, little moments of a kind word or review or something, you know, breaking that next thousand download threshold. Like all these small wins that I really need to appreciate and acknowledge and, you know, take my own words seriously. Uh, I think it's a constant struggle and practice. So my intention, stating it right here, right now, is to focus more on those small wins and really enjoy them because ultimately they mean more than any future dream. Because as we all know, like once you hit that next level, that future dream, you're just ready for the next thing. Like, we as humans struggle so much to be content. So, um, let's just, you know, I'm speaking to myself here too, people. Let's just be present and grateful for what we have right here and now and see what happens. (laughs) And, you know, the reason this even gets brought up in conversation and the reason I'm rambling about it to you all right here is that Nat discusses this in terms of her UC journey because it's something, you know, that she'll always be kind of struggling with. And it can be easy to get swept up in that someday I'll be happy mentality. And this can relate to any aspect of life. When in reality, like we do have the potential to be happy and content and successful right now. It's about mindset and perspective, which are both things that Nat and I discuss in great depth. So I want to hear from you after this episode, actually, like what's a small win or a small moment you're now going through? and that you're going to honor and celebrate. Maybe it's reading that new book, or trying a new recipe, or saving $5 at the store, or a smile from a stranger, or a promotion. I don't know, the list could go on and on. Maybe you, uh, yeah, I'll just leave the list there. You guys let me know what you're celebrating and what you're happy about. Um, But yeah, so this conversation with Nat is just 
like so deep in the 360 health wellness healing place like connecting to our inner wisdom celebrating those small wins moving past exercise addiction supporting mental emotional well-being letting go of control in times of uncertainty there's just so much good so much good in this episode and I really hope some part of it resonates with you if it does you can find Nat and I on Instagram please connect chat you know communicate we would love to hear from you Nat is on there at Plenty and Well with Nat. She also has an amazing podcast and so many great offerings for her community. And I'm on Instagram at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. I also have that new Facebook group, Let's Thrive, that I'm trying to, you know, teach myself how to use Facebook. That sounds like such a stupid thing to say, but what can I say? I'm not a Facebook kind of gal, but I'm trying for you guys. So share, connect, let us know your thoughts. And remember, I have that podcast consultation offer now. All the information is linked below if you'd like to learn more, like to start a podcast. I'm here for you. So without further ado, let's begin. You guys know that I take my desserts very seriously, and a key to my gluten-free baking is Otto's cassava flour. As a gluten and grain-free alternative, Otto's makes healthy baking easy and supports all types of lifestyles. Cassava flour acts as an easy replacement for typical wheat flours, making the transition to healthy baking even easier. I'm able to turn all of my old favorites healthy by making the quick and simple swap to Otto's, and the texture is truly impeccable. They do advise that when measuring by cups, reduce the volume by 25%, so instead of one cup of traditional all-purpose flour, use three-fourths of a cup cassava. And if you measure by grams, then it's simple. Do a one-to-one ratio swap. One thing to note, however, is that with yeast, things can get tricky. Thankfully, Autos has already done the work for you and has all the yeast-based recipes you'd need on their website. Easy as pie, no pun intended. The first recipe I ever made the swap for was a chocolate cake. Can you believe it? My family doesn't follow the same healthy lifestyle as me, but I wanted to make a cake that we could all eat for the holidays. I took my then favorite recipe and swapped the all-purpose flour for cassava flour, making it gluten-free and able for me to eat. It turned out so good that I had family members asking for the recipe. I've since then tricked them with healthy cookies, muffins, and more, all made with Otto's cassava flour. Some of my most popular recipes on Instagram actually are made with cassava flour, and I've since then turned many friends and family onto it too. The reason I love Otto's in particular is because their flour is of the highest quality and contains no fillers or odd ingredients, just 100% yucca, cassava, and water. To try this wonder flour for yourself and find joy in healthy baking again, head to their site at autosnaturals.com, where grain-free just got easy. And lastly, use code Let's Thrive, all capitals, for 15% off your order. It doesn't get better than that. Well, we are starting this recording off with some real good energy and high vibes. Um, we just chatted for a good 20 minutes before recording. <laughs> but um, so... For anyone listening, well, actually, I had a fun question I wanted to start out with because I did want this to be like high vibe, good energy episode because the world's just in a little turmoil right now. So what's something, you know, today or of recent that's really made you smile? Like it's just been your go-to way to uplift spirits and just get in that good mood feeling, you know? 
Yeah. So kind of goes with something we were talking about before, but recently I went to San Diego with my best friend, Ali, which for some people listening might know, actually Alexandra. Um, and we went on like a little weekend trip that was just like so rejuvenating and something we kept saying that weekend and now keep coming back to as we were talking about at this time in our life that we really need to focus on the fact that we can create our own sunshine. And so we kept coming back to that of like, there's infinite sunshine inside of us and we have the power to like create that and manifest it and like bring it out into the world. So that like, that little like quote keeps going through my head when I like don't feel super good or like, like you said, the world's like in turmoil right now. When, when I'm feeling those anxieties from other people, I just kind of like remind myself of like, there's sunshine in me and I can bring that out and give that to other people too. So I think that's what it'd be. I love that. It's so funny. I meant to mention you did a post on that the other day um, about, you said that quote. And actually this morning I was just, it was an off morning, you know, it was rainy, it was dark. I, my gut's been in a really bad place lately. And that, that quote just like floated through my mind. I'm like, there goes Nat, her voice, like I can just hear it. And I, and I really just told myself, I was like, okay, um, I can choose to stew in these bad emotions and start my day off bad, which will result in a long gray day. Or I can just choose to pucker up and create some sunshine. And it is, it's very powerful. You know, it's kind of like a little mantra you can repeat to yourself. So had to share that. But yeah. And so for anyone listening who doesn't know you, you've been on before when we really went in depth on your journey and story to get to where you are today. So if they want to get like all the behind the scenes, they can go there and you have a podcast. But for now, like, could you just give a little introduction into know who you are and what it is you're doing kind of in this this stage of your life you know what's up what's up and coming for you right now what are you working on yeah so um i am the face behind plenty and well which um has changed a lot over the years which is really cool to look at but currently right now i do a lot of chronic illness advocacy work so i have ulcerative colitis and do a lot of like writing and helping others with that i have a membership site online that's free to anyone Um, that's a like support group for IBD. So I run that. I have a podcast called Thrive with IBD and also just share people's stories, share their journeys, just to show others they're not alone. And on top of that, I also do IBD health coaching. So I help people like through kind of more the mental aspect of like, how do they accept their diagnosis? How do they stay positive? How do they learn to talk to friends and family about it? Like how do they navigate dating with a chronic illness, all that, as well as business coaching for other women who want to be health coaches or start their Instagrams and then just kind of the normal Instagram stuff too. I love collaborating companies right now. I have some really fun ones coming up that super excited about that kind of resonate with all the different little communities I'm in. And then I'm also, if it doesn't get canceled, um, I have yoga teacher training coming up in Hawaii in the beginning of May. And that's a newer part, but I've really gotten into also like advocating about mental like mental health and just mindfulness and yoga has just so changed my life with that, that I'm really excited to bring that into my online presence, but also I'm hoping to teach some classes in the Seattle area in person as well, just to kind of expand my community and keep meeting different people in this space. So kind of lots of things, (laughs) but it's, it's so fun because no two days are the same. Oh, I love it. You are, you're always busy. You're always up to something. I absolutely love it. And it's just so apparent how much you want to help people. The work you do is just so, so amazing. You're, you're always inspiring me. So I, 
I love that. And, you know, I am curious with the yoga aspect of things. Do you think that's, you know, allowed you to really reconnect with your body, so to speak? Because I personally feel that with, you know, whether it's just gut issues or an actual, you know, diagnosis such as you see or Crohn's, what have it be. I feel as though sometimes it can be very easy to disconnect or not feel at home in your body. So whether that's because of the bloat or the pain or the nausea, the fatigue, what have you, it's just easy to, you know, kind of separate from yourself. And so do you feel as though yoga was a good way to, you know, step back into your body, reconnect, really get that mindfulness aspect back? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You said that because I was just thinking about that the other morning. So I got home from yoga and I just had this moment where like I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my, I like love my body. It does not look different. It has not changed. And I realized the difference, like I spent so many years so disconnected, like you said, hating my body from having an eating disorder in college, like being so addicted to running, then having this diagnosis where weight would always fluctuate. I was bloated. I, I just, even up to last year, like I just had to separate myself. I just wouldn't want to look at myself. I was just like, you know, I have to separate myself in order to like stay positive. And it's so cool having started yoga so regularly. It's really brought me back to myself. I would say, yeah, like brought me home to myself. And I think a big part of that is when, you know, you step onto your mat, it's this idea of, I always think of it as like stepping into self-love, like stepping into myself. And it's so cool because yoga is so not about like what you look like. Whereas something like lifting that I also used to be really into, like, yes, it's about strength, but kind of underneath it, it's about what you look like. And for me, yoga is like, it brings it all together. It's about your mind. It's about your breath. It's about just moving your body and meeting yourself where you're at. And I think that's so cool that, and so what in a world that always tells us to like push harder, yoga is just saying like, be where you are, which is like so cool. Yeah, I love that. And I feel for me, it was also a good way to just really accept the fact that my body does need rest. It's Mm -hmm. crazy, you know, like for, I think it was last year, I did a month of just yoga, no other forms of exercise. It was crazy how different I felt because similarly to what you said, I just felt so at peace with myself, at peace with my body, so rested. Uh, There wasn't as much crazy fatigue. And I just, yeah, I mean, it, it works wonders at really like driving home that ability to rest, you know, just through the movement and afterwards too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Cause the more I do it, the more it's the only thing I want to do. And it's just so different from past me that was so obsessed with like running eight miles and lifting heavy. And just, I was so in that mindset of pushing harder. Now, the more I, I lean into yoga, I'm like, Oh, so this is how I'm supposed to feel after I move my body. Like I'm supposed to feel calm, not more anxious, or I'm supposed to like want to get up and do this and not feel forced to. And it's getting harder and harder to get up and go to the gym. Like there's so many days I'm like, okay, well, I didn't book yoga either. I'm just going to walk then. Like I physically cannot go run on a treadmill right now. And it's cool to like also allow yourself to just do that. Have you struggled with allowing rest days? Because, you know, like with the UC, I feel like it takes it, you know, with, with any diagnosis like that, I feel like sometimes it can take away so many aspects of your life that it can kind of crowd out, you know, remembering what you still do have. So did you ever feel like exercise was, you know, something you could control or like a crutch to lean on when, you know, your UC and symptoms would take away so many other aspects, if that makes sense? 
Yeah, definitely. I think for so much of my life, exercise was that crutch, whether life, like emotions just felt out of control or I was stressed. And then with UC, and it's so hard with UC because in the times where it's not doing as well, like you need that rest. But then it would always, I always would have this feeling of, but then I'm giving into my diagnosis, like UC is taking over my life. But then it's that cycle where then the more you work out, your flare is going to keep going. So I've definitely gotten a lot better. And I love, like, the more I slowed down with yoga, the more I just like love rest days. And the other morning I woke up really fatigued and I was quote unquote supposed to go to the gym. That was like my plan. And I was laying there and I was like, no, you have to go. You haven't been in a while. And then I was like, no, that's the old me. Like put snooze, like you're going to go back to bed and then you're going to go on a walk. And I felt like so happy on my walk. I was like, it's so cool when you can challenge those old thought patterns and like allow your body rest. And the more you do it, the easier it gets and like the less mental resistance you have to resting because it really, it really is the best feeling. No, definitely. And you know, that got me thinking about something that, you know, I was talking about with a friend the other day, you know, in regards to eating disorders and overcoming exercise addiction. And it's the idea of progress over perfection where, you know, whether it's with recovery or with healing, you know, from something like UC where we have this ideal end goal in mind, you know, we think we're going to, feel this way and look this way and be all healthy and stuff. And sometimes we can obsess over that so much that we forget about, you know, the journey, even as cheesy as that sounds or the progress we make along the way. So have you ever felt yourself, you know, getting down about quote unquote setbacks or, you know, things that come up and kind of disrupt that perfect ideal plan to better health in the, you know, in the end? Yeah. I think I definitely like before my really bad flare that I feel like just totally changed my perspective on anything back in 2018. I remember at first I had such mental resistance because I I could, before I was in the hospital, like I could tell like how sick I was getting and like knew it wasn't going to be good, but I had worked so hard because I ran a marathon the year before and I'd accidentally lost a lot of weight because of it, of course. And I felt like, Oh, I'm finally getting strength back. I look strong. I feel strong. And then I got really sick. And of course I can't work out. I can't eat. Like I lost all the weight again, but I didn't want to. So it was like this weird mental resistance of like, oh my God, this huge setback. I'm going to have to gain all this strength again. And then I was, I got healthier and could do so again, gain weight and gain strength. I was kind of just thinking about it of like, why am I striving for this body I have in my head or this, this set limit of strength or endurance when this could literally happen next week again or next month? Like, I need to be happy where I am because it could just get taken away again. Like there literally is no end goal when you have a chronic illness that has no cure because I've been thankful that like my flares since then have been smaller, but it's, it is that crazy idea of like, why would I waste this time trying to get to this end goal when it could get snatched away again? Like that's so silly. Like there's no point in that. You have to just enjoy where you're at right now and look, yeah, like look back on how far you've come. Do you feel it's made you, you know, loosen your grasp, uh, kind of let go of the control because, you know, you've mentioned before you had, you know, your times with, um, you know, exercise addiction, like all those things that when we look at it, it could kind of stem from a desire, a need for control. So do you feel that you're at a place now where you are learning to let go of some of that control and not clench so tightly to those ideals that you've set before? Yeah, which feels really good because I think when we're so stuck in that control, there there were points when I was in it where I'm like, I wish I didn't feel this need for control, but you're so in it, you can't get out. And now it's to the point where there's days where I go to the gym and I walk for 10 minutes. I'm like, 
hell no, I'm going home. And like, I always have a split second where I never question it. Like, no, you should stay. But I like always acknowledge of like, whoa, you're doing this. Like, that's cool that you can do this now. And like, I, like in San Diego, we were gone for like five days and we just walked every day. And I never had a moment, like neither of us were like, oh, we should work out. Or like a couple weeks before that, again, I was in California for a week and I ran once, I think. And I like never questioned it, which feels really cool. And it's, it's nice now that exercise has finally become what I think it should be for people of, it does help my mental health. And it does feel like such a form of self care more so now that it's not like a controlled factor in my life. I love that. Yeah. And I think there is a pretty big, you know, awakening all around of people really seeing exercise and movement as mental, you know, aid. I, you know, not so much in my local small town community, but when I travel and when I'm on Instagram, there's so many people, you know, where they're saying, you know, like they just needed it for their mind that day. And I think it's, you know, amazing whether that is running for you or soul cycle or, you know, going to the gym and lifting heavy or just yoga or, you know, me, Allie and you, like we all love our walks. We are walking women. Um, But yeah, like, it's just like asking yourself, you know, why, why am I doing this maybe? to really understand the purpose and, you know, the pressure. Do you feel pressure to work out this way? Or is it truly meditative for the mind, I suppose? Yeah, no, I love that. And that's something I try to do is kind of like challenge myself in that way of like the other day when I woke up and was so fatigued and asked myself that of why would I go to the gym right now? And it was that feeling of, oh, I should because I haven't been in X days. And I was like, you know, if it's not going to help my mental state. And if it's literally just because I feel like I should, then I, I try to force myself not to go and like challenge that thought process then and don't go because otherwise it's that like negative reinforcement of, okay, every time your body feels tension and a need to work out simply because you should, or you're afraid of what you'll look like if you don't or something, if you keep giving into that, you're never going to break that mental habit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I mean, the same goes for something, you know, someone struggling with food fears, you know, creating a new habit, just asking yourself that question of, you know, why am I hesitating or why am I just, you know, going, why am I just going right for the exercise or the food or whatever it is without, you know, asking myself beforehand, do I need this? Why do I need this? Why do I feel that way? So very important, Uh, some internal questions, but, you know, I was curious, you mentioned your flares before and I know, you know, for me that the idea of that scares me. And so I'm curious, like, do you think you've ever had a sort of, you know, PTSD in a sorts or, you know, ingrained stress trigger fear of those moments again, you know, like going backwards, I suppose, in your journey? Definitely. Like, it's definitely better now. Um, But anytime I have smaller flares, like I said, I've probably had three maybe smaller flares since that really, really bad one. And I notice when that happens, when that flare starts, I get, of course, my head goes straight to like literally phone the ER because I'm coming in. Like, I just know it. Like, I just get so scared and it's so hard not to go down that rabbit hole because all big flares start as small flares. But I always bring myself back to the fact of when I had that really bad flare, I also ignored that small flare for about four months. So always reminding myself of like, you're a really good patient now. You're very proactive, like reminding myself of these positives that I know I'm in control of, of like, I can reach out to my doctor today. Let's, you know, get started. But 
definitely two after that big flare, like just scenarios would give me PTSD because it got really, really bad when I was up where my parents now live full time on Whidbey Island. And I couldn't go back to their guest house for like a few months because I was just like, that is where all hell broke loose. And I felt like I was dying. So I, I couldn't do it. And I remember what the first time I went back, I saged the shit out of that place. I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're getting all the bad flare vibes out of here. But there were like little things like that or foods, especially like if something kind of reminded me that I would eat a lot when I was getting sick, I just, I was like, Oh God, I'm scared. I know that wasn't the reason, but it's definitely gotten better as I've gotten through a few smaller flares and like been really proactive and just like stopped exercise, ate really plain, got on new meds to help it. It's gotten better because it shows how, and I mean, that's not in every situation, but how being proactive has helped, you know? Yeah. And I think a big part of that would also be trust because once more, going back to that idea of, you know, it kind of feels at times like it could be out of your control. Your body, you know, isn't acting, you know, on your, like for yourself. So how did you rebuild that trust, you know, with yourself when it comes to eating, you know, eating the foods? Cause you can't avoid all the foods you ate, you know, during that time. And you can't avoid all the places you went to during that time. So how did you rebuild that trust with yourself, with your food, with your body even, to get to a point where, you know, you were able to live past the fear and move on, you know, for another day. Yeah. And I love that question because it, it takes time definitely, but it also takes knowing, I think a big thing is knowing yourself very well as I would always check in of like, what is my current comfort zone and like what limits are safe to push? Because I think that's a big thing with IBD is I try to encourage people I know of like, test those boundaries because a lot of the times we are healthy enough to do more than we think, but we're scared. And so it's like acknowledging those fears and and choosing your own line in the sand of, you know, there's certain people I would be like, yeah, go on that 10 mile hike. Like, no, sis, don't, that's probably not smart. Whereas for someone else, I'm like, yes, you can do that, you know, and you should. Um, And so I think it's like building up, like trying little things. Like I know I would try a little bit of food that made me nervous, but make sure I was home. So if I needed my heating pad or like just needed the comfort of my bed, like I'm here. And then it slowly built up and built up where like I can travel now and kind of try food I'm not used to and not be afraid of it. Um, but a big thing that helped me too, is I went to therapy after that big flare, I went to like a, a chronic illness specialized therapist. And that was really helpful because she kind of guided me through the fears I had or the thoughts I had around certain situations or even the fears around like dating or like social interactions or things like that. And that was so helpful. Like I encourage everyone if they're struggling like with their chronic illness and the fears, like finding a therapist that specializes in that is such a game changer. Yeah. And I mean, it's your own personal support system. You know, you support others and you need someone that supports you and listens to you. And you know, I meant, you mentioned earlier how you run, you know, the support group and the membership and coach people, you do so much to help people and even just on Instagram itself. So, you know, what do you tell people when they come to you and they're kind of freaking out, you know, they just got diagnosed or they've been diagnosed for a while, you know, with whatever the you know, condition is, whether it's, you know, IBD or, you know, Crohn's, whatever, it, you know, whatever spectrum of intensity, I suppose you could say, like, is there a common thing you tell people to just kind of calm them down and remind them that this doesn't have to be like the end of the life they know it. That's so funny that you ask that because that's something I'm one, I'm like so passionate about when people come to me and they're like, my life is over. Like 
it's like my ideal client. So I'm like, I will teach you that it's not. <laughs> you get all excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yes. And they're like, you're a weirdo. But it's perfect timing. So I was actually right before this working on and running a mini training this weekend, um, like through like my newsletter list on rewriting and the acceptance narrative they have in their head. So something I always do with clients, I've taught this in webinars, I'm doing it in this training. I'm launching something cool soon that has it in it. But a big exercise I have them do is write down currently the narrative in their head. And usually it's, it is, yeah. Here go. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Okay. I'm going to mute myself and you can keep. Okay. <laughs> Mutes me. <laughs> but yeah, so I have them write down their current narrative story. And, you know, typically it is those negatives of like, my life is over. I'm going to be like the worst employee or the worst student, or I'm going to be a horrible mom, or I'm never going to find love, or I'm never going to work out again. Like all these things that we convince ourselves of that are, are literally not based in reality. They're not tied to any actual evidence. It's just our brain spiraling because we don't know how to deal with this new label. And so I have them write that out and then I have them flip the script and I make them write a empowered acceptance story. And so it kind of combines still acknowledging those hard facts of like, you have this diagnosis, it might be hard, you're going to go to the doctors a lot, you might be on medication because obviously being naive and pretending those aren't, they aren't going to help. But then also the other like facts they know to be true of like, parenting might be hard for me now, but I'm still going to be a great mom and my kids are going to love me. Or like, I might have to take more sick days, but I'm still really hardworking and a great student. Or like, I see one a lot of yeah, I might have to say no to a lot of social plans, but I know I'm still an amazing friend. So I, I make them kind of acknowledge their fear and then like why it can still be a positive. And then we talk through ways they can actually like live that out of like, okay, let's say you have to cancel plans for a whole month because you're sick. Like how can you still show up as a good friend or things like that? And I find that by consciously acknowledging the negatives they're thinking now and then consciously rewriting them is really, really helpful. Even if it's kind of a, like fake it till you make it at first. That's so, so powerful. And I'm such a, I love, you know, the entire idea behind flipping that script because we just don't notice the narrative that's playing on repeat all day, every day in our minds. And then you throw something like a, you know, diagnosis such as that in. And I mean, everything goes to shit. I can imagine, you know, like your brain's just a hamster wheel going out of control. So to write those down and see them and acknowledge them and say, wow, like, I really think I'm going to, you know, be all of this and then to have someone help them work through it is so just so powerful I can imagine and do you like with that do you advise people to you know daily or kind of you know more commonly journal as well like are you I'm you journal right like you're you're a journal advocate right so like for me every morning I journal whether it's like a little bit or a lot and I just feel like it I saw someone else, they labeled their journal the other day. It was like um, their daily brain dump. And I'm like, oh, I love that. Like you're just getting rid of all of the thoughts and clutter uh, in your mind. So like, you know, what's your experience with journaling been like? And, you know, how do you advise others get started if that is something you, you know, advise them to do? Yeah, I'm, I love, it's so funny. I have probably a stack of like 20 journals from over my life starting when I was like five and did not know the heck I was writing or spelling. It's so funny to look at them now, but for my entire life, that was, I've always been such a like emotional person and like taking on other people's emotions. And especially when I'm little and I don't really know what that means, like 
journaling was always such an outlet and I'm assuming my mom or someone got me onto that. So shout out to them. Thank you. Um, but I'm still like, I it's, it's changed over the years. I feel like I used to definitely just talk about my day or like what was good, what was bad. And now it is definitely a lot more like kind of abstract writing or sometimes it's lists. I have also a gratitude journal. Like it's, it's just a lot put together, but it's so helpful. You said it really is just like a open my brain, put it somewhere because when you can also look at it on paper, I feel like it helps you work through like feelings and stuff because when it's just in your head it is, it's that hamster wheel and it's just like, what am I thinking? What am I deciding? And all of that. So I'm, I'm like a daily journal kind of girl too, but I definitely, even with my business clients, I give them journal prompts every week because I just think no matter what, like journaling is so powerful. And so definitely with IBD clients and even in my membership, I post journal prompts because I think without writing, it's hard to process feelings and thoughts, if that makes sense. Yes, I totally agree. I always say that to really work through something, I advise everyone either write it down or you get someone you really trust to and talk to because there's been so many times where, you know, a thought's in your mind for, you know, a week doesn't really gather much attention. And then, you know, I'd finally write it down or I'd finally speak it out loud. And I'm just kind of like, whoa holy shit. (laughs) Um, Why have I been contemplating? Why have I even been like thinking about this for so long? It's just, there's something about it. Yeah. About seeing it, you know, right in front of you or speaking the words out loud and having them sit in the air for that beat of a second before someone responds that really drives it home and like flips a switch in your mind of saying like, oh, okay. I see that now. (laughs) Like I acknowledge that now. Yeah. And that's so funny. That happened to me the other day. I was in a not happy mindset and I was journaling and I notice something when I journal is like, if I'm not happy, I'm feeling really negative. Sometimes it makes me worse when I journal because I just like then put all this negative on paper and I'm just sitting there like, Oh, (laughs) so what I did it all down, just didn't judge myself. I think that's a huge thing with journaling is like no filter, no judgment, wrote it all down. And then when I read it, it was that moment of like, Oh my God, (laughs) like, I'm being so negative. And so I I crossed it out where I could still read it, but like crossed out the really like negative parts and tried to like reword them. And it helped my brain also kind of rewire because like I hadn't really realized how negative of a mindset I was in that day until it was like staring at me. And I was like, oh my, if I saw any of my friends like write this or like say this to me, I'd be like, okay, sis, like hold up. Let's not think that. And so sometimes I think that can be helpful. Although I think like no filter with journaling also then being aware after what you write, wrote of being like, do I need to change my mindset now? Like, should I just leave this? Like kind of like questioning yourself a little bit. I agree. That was me uh, when I came home from California. <laughs> it's like all the reasons I'm unhappy right now. Um, not so fun. <laughs> but what yeah. I find too with that is that as long as I end, because it can be hard, you know, if you're admitting that you're putting it out there, like it is heavy. It's it's heavy on your heart, on your mind and your energy. So I always like to find a way to, you know, flip the script almost or put a positive spin on it. So it's like, I do, I write all this, you know, pretty uh, negative stuff down. And then it's like, maybe I end with, okay, but I'm grateful for this and this, or, you know, this did make me smile today. Or, you know, on the flip side, I get to go back in a month, maybe. Um, (laughs) So it's like, just, yeah, like you said, just you know, you have to get it out, but also not letting it drag you down, you know, like finding the balance between, 
just getting it out and then finding like the positive way to end it. And not even positive, just like a way that you're not, uh, you know, in a bad mood (laughs) for the rest of the day. Um, So besides journaling then, are there any other ways that you really support mental, emotional health? Because we've all heard it. We all know like the gut and the brain axis is so strong. And, you know, whether you have gut issues, whatever, like we all have some issue that can be directly correlated from our mental state, I firmly believe. So what other things do you do that really, you know, support your mental and emotional health, I suppose, in that sense? I think there's kind of two main things is like, one is just like who I surround myself with also being an empath and taking on energy. I'm so heavily affected by who I'm around. And also as an introvert, like it's hard for me to be around a lot of people. So something that's just really helped that mental state is like evaluating friendships and, you know, really just creating this circle around me, whether it is like virtual friends and virtual connections versus like in person and making sure that people I'm around are actually lifting me up. And that can be hard to question because sometimes you question friendships and then realize or relationships and realize like, you know, that isn't adding to my mental health or my like mental health. And then also then my gut health, you know, cause when I'm anxious, I feel it everywhere. But then the other thing besides that is I found like reading personal development books, like has just, Oh my, I'm like obsessed with them. I'm such a nerd for them. I love them so much because they force you to think about things. They force you to question things and make your life better. And I think I always, when I was growing up, had this idea of personal development books were for like people who were broken or people who were crazy or like just to the extremes. And it's like, they're for literally everyone. Like even the person who is so successful or seems perfect in everyone's eyes, like they could probably grow more. And I feel like since really diving in and always making sure I'm reading one, I've been more aware and therefore I've like been more positive or I've like just actively worked on myself more, given myself more time for myself. And it's just kind of this like positive domino effect in a way. No, I agree a hundred percent. Now I'm at this place where it's like I bought two uh, fiction books and I just can't read them because I'm like, wait, if I just wanted to like, you know, give my brain a break, I just get on Instagram and scroll. Um, but like, I these or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm like, if I want to, you know, work my brain, like I'm just going to read a personal development book. But um, yeah, I agree. And I'm curious, what are your some of your, you know, favorite uh, suggestions you'd give people? So right now I'm reading Light is the New Black, and it is hands down the best one I think I've ever read because it's really cool it so it's about like finding your soul purpose but there's so much in it as well that really resonates if you are like an empath or kind of just feel like I don't know I always have felt like I'm on this like weird level that I'm not I don't know I wrote a post on this other day I feel like I'm just like floating sometimes above the world and I'm like hey I'm up here does anyone get me and this book is like so validating of like there are people who get you and you have to like do these things though to let them in and let that like inner self shine, even though it's different. And so many, it's a really cool how it's broken up of like really short chapters and mantras, journal prompts, like meditations. And it's just so cool. It even talks about at one point, like about writing and how this is like a total tangent you can like cut out, but I I love it. I want to, I'm listening, (laughs) but it's, it was about like writing and, um, because her career has to obviously do with writing, but 
was talking about the importance of journaling. And then if you are writing for, let's say, social media or things like that, that you need to write not for the reader, but like for yourself sort of thing. And it'll be better perceived by the reader. And I find that where when I write for like Instagram, a lot of the time I have like a Google doc called rambles. And sometimes I just go in and I just like, I'll set aside like 30 minutes and I just like write stuff with no intention of it being a caption or a blog post. And usually my best captions come out of it because I'm not like, Oh, what would, like, what would Emily like to read today? Or, you know, something like that. I'm just like, what do I want to write about? So this book's just been so inspiring in life and work. And it's, it's so cool. Everyone should go read it. (laughs) Um, but some of my other favorites are, there's one called You Are the One by, I'll have to look up who the author is, but I actually got set it by like the publisher. And it was a really cool book too, that it's a really short read, but just very empowering. Um, I love the Michelle Hall, or is it Michelle Hollis? Rachel Hollis? Michelle, the frick is that? Cut that out. Michelle Obama? <laughs> I'm like, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I really like the Rachel Hollis books too. They're kind of like a, they're such an easy read and like, they're kind of like your friend giving you a pep talk. So sometimes those are fun, but oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm trying to think of my bookshelf, but those are definitely some of my favorites. I know I, I, that first one I really want to check out. I like the idea of it having, you know, like little prompts and mantras, interactive and Mm -hmm. involved, but. So on the topic of writing, well, A, your captions are always amazing, but B, you've also had the opportunity to, have you written, have you wrote for Healthline or have you just done, what was it that you were doing with them? Because that was a really cool series or was it writing? I'm just going to let you finish. Yeah, there's like two. So when I first did my first partnership with them, I did some writing for them and it was, or wait, did I, I know they wrote about me. I was like, wait. They wrote an article about me and my like journey, which was like really cool. And I felt so honored. And then I helped them. Oh yeah. I did blog posts about them and their new IBD helpline app. So, um, and then I still do like live chats in the app about twice a month, which is, it's so fun. It's really cool. And it's cool too. Cause it's like another IBD community, but like one that I don't run. So it's kind of cool to like be just a part of it, but like still a leader within it and get to like be a part in a new way. Yeah, no, and it's it's a neat, different way to interact with people, and I mean, you just find so many new people by doing that, and, you know, I'm curious, do you have any other things that you can talk about coming up this year, um, whether they're like a partnership or something neat you're doing that people can look forward to, see your face popping up on? <laughs> yeah, so actually, I had a call today with a really cool company that reached out to me, I guess. I don't even know what you'd really call them. So they are, I won't get the name out just in case yet, but they're like a research lab and they're really well known apparently. And they run a lot of clinical trials for chronic illnesses, including UC and Crohn's. And they're a big mission of theirs is to make clinical trials like easier for people to understand and be more um, like easier to also join because I didn't even really like, obviously I've heard of clinical trials. My parents looked into some for me when I was really sick, but there's always that fear around it of like, am I your guinea pig? Like, what does that mean? And she was talking about how clinical trials sometimes are the best option for people because you're pretty much getting like free medical care. And this research team is like contacting you every day, asking how you are and you don't pay for it. And so hopefully if it works out, we are talking about creating a long-term partnership to like bring these clinical trials to light and like be able to have my community and followers be a part of their like research and their trials, which I think is just 
really, really cool. Um, and they're, yeah, they're just like a really amazing mission driven company. All the three of the individuals that started it have all lost family members to chronic illness. And that's why they started it. So that's something really cool. I'm trying to think of what else. Hopefully if you're in the Seattle area, I'll be teaching yoga near you (laughs) in the summer. So that'll be cool. Um, and then also with that, I'm hoping to be hosting more local events. I was going to do one next month, but probably should wait till uh, the world settles down a little, but hoping to host like mindfulness events and yoga events also in the area. So um, those are some of the main things I can think of besides some other partnerships that'll be fun coming up. We'll just have to wait and see. Yes. Well, where can everyone find you to follow along and, and see these exciting opportunities come up and to find out if you do go to Hawaii for yoga and all the fun stuff? So they can find me on Instagram at Plenty and Well with Nat. That's definitely the best place to keep up. Um, also, plentyandwell.com, uh, the podcast at the Thrive with IBD podcast. And yeah, I'm. I have other social medias, but I don't really use them. <laughs> so those are the, the best places. The other ones are not needed. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> Nat is just ah, such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and just like a little ray of sunshine in my days. I really hope you guys enjoyed this. If you want to hear more of her journey or maybe you just missed her first episode, you can go back in the records of the podcast and find it. I'll have it linked below too. I'm blanking on what number episode her last one was, but I'll have it linked below. You can check that out. And otherwise, you know, just let us know what you liked from today's episode. And remember, I want to hear what that small win or acknowledgement is that you're going to acknowledge, (laughs) appreciate. Uh, Let us know. Share on your Instagram. We'd love to connect. Nat is on Instagram at Plenty and Well with Nat, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels. Uh, Let's connect, people. So with that said, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.